The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, I guess you gave me COVID on Saturday night. I would like to restate for the court one more time that when you asked about coming over on a Saturday... I said, I am sick. I have the plague. You were fairly warned, no, and you still said, no, you didn't. I'll come over. We, we, I need to see the, I need to see the receipts. I don't know if you want to come hang out with me at all right now because I have the plague over here, okay? So that, that's, that's <laughs> on your own thing. I told them to be ready just in case you brought that up. All right, so he said he had the Whoa, We got receipts here, baby. We got receipts. We showing them out on First TV. Woo, woo. Get you here today. First of all, first of all, uh, <laughs> first of all, the plague is an exaggeration because if you had the plague, you would be dead. Second of all, if you thought you might have COVID, the responsible thing to do would have been to test yourself that for COVID. I, I won't argue That's with you there. I, I won't argue with you there, but, but still, if you had said the C word. If you had said the C word, I would not have come over. Well, I thought, I, you're joking around. I got the plague. I, you know, I know I, I didn't know, look, man. A lot of people I didn't just know. Forgotten about COVID. Yeah. I got my shot in July so I can travel. And it's just kind of like, yeah, COVID. Good job. Pfizer boy. Later. You're all, you're all boosted up. Pfizer boy. You're good. You got receipts. I'm Pfizer doing, boy is here. We got I'm them all today. Well. <laughs> I'm doing well. Johnny Ivermectin. Yes. <laughs> you're funny. Uh, that's good. All right. It's all good fun. You're right. It probably would have been the responsible. It is a little bit like, I don't know. You know what, what, what is the proper word? Ignorance is bliss. I, I, or not even that. It's just that it's kind of, kind of, have forgotten hey, about it kind I, of just been like hey it's part of life now and um so i am still I, feel somewhat guilty that i gave it to you i do and i am sorry about that um but i i recall yeah. i recall a certain high level politician at the start of this thing saying why are we testing all these people 
We'll have fewer positive cases. If we don't test <laughs> I do remember people. that Are too. We doing all these tests. That, that was the one, so, that was funny. Subjected to that. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't mean to live that uh, truly there. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I've tested negative twice now. Yesterday I tested after the show and it was negative, but then I noticed the card like an hour later and I saw like a very thin version of that blue line right. That, goes across the sample part so i thought i really did test positive and i just didn't see it but my wife said that can happen after 15 minutes that all that matters is what's there after 15 minutes i said well after 15 minutes there was nothing there so i took a test again last night and there was nothing there after 15 minutes so all right good good to I hear clean of the plague of covid of any other communicable disease of which i am aware good i am fine you'll be here sunday as far as I know, you'll be here for the Kirk Cousins versus the Patrick Mahomes. You'll we'll have some you know fun what? there. I might go. Wait, wait. I might go to the Twins. Game you got a baseball playoff game you might uh, make. Yeah, I might go to a baseball playoff game instead. Uh, of, I know, knew that was going to trigger you. Yes, I'm going to go to. Well, I mean, come on, man. And and nobody's saying boo about it. They're like, what a guy. He bought his tickets online. What a guy. He's got Patrick Mahomes coming to town. He's never faced Patrick Mahomes. He's never played Patrick Mahomes. We talk about Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have never met. Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes have never met. No. Have they? No. Maybe they did. Not, not did that they? I remember. I can't say that I do remember. Four I, years ago, four years ago, yeah. Mahomes was injured. Yeah. And Matt Moore beat the Vikings. That's, that's what I remember. And right. Two years ago, when they did the crossover for the extra game, it was Packers-Chiefs. The Vikings played the Chargers. When they do that crossover for the yeah, extra game sure, sure. between divisions. So they've never played. So so let's let's think about this. And I, I this isn't in the rundown. So I may as well no, talk about I'm it sorry now. I brought let's it up. I'm sorry. Let's, let's just – no, 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 no. Let's think about this. Let's think about this. Are we talking about it later? I don't care. We're talking about it now. We're talking about it now. Because I don't give – listen, I don't give a crap about tonight's game. I mean, let's be realistic. Al Michaels, I can't wait to see what he has to say about tonight's game. And the schedule is <laughs> what it is. The Jeez. Bears commanders tonight, I couldn't give two shits about tonight's game. And, and we're being real here. I'm going to watch it. It's on TV and it's football. But I'm not, like, rolling out of bed saying, yeah, baby. Oh, Thursday night football. Where's Hank Williams Jr.? Let's go. So, anyway. Anyway. Um. The the guy that he was in the quarterback series with. Yes. Right? Don't you? I mean, he's coming to town. And it's going to be a big game. And you got a chance to turn your season around after starting 0-3. You finally got to win somehow. After Harrison Smith makes a play. And it just turns everything. And you got Patrick Mahomes coming to town. And you're taking five hours out of your day by the time you go to the park and go. And, and I had, look, I, it's a uh, simple question. Simple question. Do you want to be great? That's the question. Do you want to be great? Do you want to beat Patrick Mahomes? I don't think Patrick Mahomes was doing anything other than getting himself ready for Sunday's game. Because, you know, he's probably pissed off about what happened Sunday night. They're up 17 nothing. He starts throwing interceptions, almost threw another one, got, got a gift from the, the late flag on Sauce Gardner to wipe out what would have been his third interception. 
I guarantee you Patrick Mahomes is busting his ass this week. And this all goes back to the quarterback series where Kirk Cousins proudly tells the world, I don't work on Tuesdays when we're on a Sunday-to-Sunday schedule. Well, why don't you? It's football season. And, 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 I, and I hear people say all the time, well, the NFL Players Association regulations dictate that players have one day off and that day is Tuesday. It, it doesn't apply to franchise quarterbacks. It doesn't apply to the guys who are the leaders of the team. It doesn't apply to the guy who needs to know the game plan, who needs to know the film, who needs to know the tendencies, who needs to know the tells, who either needs to be all in or he isn't all in. And it's the guys who are all in who win, who win the big games in the big spots and advance to the big postseason matches and ultimately get to the biggest game of all. That, that's the reality. That's just the basic reality. Do you want to be great? Yes or no? Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. You're if, not it's wrong. It's like the world, like, if, do, I, do I not understand how the world works? Do I not understand what it takes to be great, the commitment you have to make, right. the sacrifices you have to make to be great? And I feel like an asshole saying it. No. But that's reality. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't think you should feel like an ass for saying it. I think it is a fair question that I think, really every major NFL head coach would go, that is kind of weird. Now, they're not going to say it publicly or anything like that, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're off base there. I don't. And, and of course, we've had that groundwork laid out in front of us before already just with the other great quarterbacks and some of the sacrifices they made. I mean, first off, it, it does. It starts with, you know, Rodgers and Manning, okay? Uh, and, and Not, not Rodgers and Manning, excuse me, Brady and Manning right there. And we know the work ethic they put forth seven days a week, Monday, Tuesday, days preparing, having other backup quarterbacks doing projects for them, other people on the staff doing projects for them so they make sure they're totally prepared when it comes to Wednesday practice. You know, it, it, we, we've seen that that's the formula for success. Now, not everybody has to go to the building to do that. I'll say that, right? I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers for years, he might have stayed home a little on Tuesdays because he had his own setup and he'd watch film there and do that. I get that. But Kirk Cousins is out there as saying, no, I don't go and I don't do work. I spend the day with my family. And that is odd. And especially when you're the highest paid employee in the and of course, in the organization. And you're right. It's an ultra, super crazy competitive business. And you got a guy like Mahomes who, you know, like I've said before, Andy Reid, when he talks about him, uses phrases like tear your throat out, tear your heart out, gym rat. And you know that Mahomes is pissed off and in, in the facility on Tuesday, you know, working a little bit. You know, they were there on a day. The day I went and interviewed them before week one was a day off. No players there. Guess who was there watching film when I got there? Hey, Patrick will be out in a little bit. He's kind of working right now. Hold on. Hey, Patrick will be out in a little bit. He's almost done. Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, to your point there, yeah, I think the, the great quarterbacks in the game right now are definitely working on Tuesday. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's missing out on that for sure. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know if it's just drive-by social media mindset, Gen Z. I don't know. But, folks, if you want to be great at anything you do, at anything you choose to do in your life, whatever it is, you got to make a commitment to it. Yeah, you got to live gotta it. you got to be willing. If you yeah. want to be – if you want nice house, if you want nice car, if you want to go on nice vacations, if you want nice things, they don't just fall out of the sky. Now, for some people, they do. But typically, you got to go work for it. You got to make the commitment. You got to be great. And you don't get great, especially when you've got some big, like a big work day is coming up. Like there's a big meeting on Sunday, there's a big event on Sunday. 
and 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 you know what the narratives are you know what people are going to say this is the guy you're chasing this is the guy that's got the two rings this is the guy who's regarded as the best quarterback in football and he's coming to your building to try to take a game from you i again are we going to be surprised and and look look there was a time when People would say, well, what's, what's, what's going on here? When Johnny Manziel found out as a rookie that he was going to potentially start, or he didn't know yet. They hadn't decided whether or not he was going to start on a Sunday. He went to a Cavs game on a Tuesday night instead of getting himself ready for the possibility he's going to start. One of the things they used to report about Ben Roethlisberger, doesn't work very hard, doesn't, doesn't study film at home. Right, that that used to come up from time sure, to time. Sure, I mean, when you're the quarterback, some guys can get away with most it. money on the team, yeah. and you're the leader of the team. There's a higher standard for greatness. You can you can you can go below that standard and get by on your talent, or get by on whatever work you can cram in on the days when you are working. But for for the ones who are truly great, they make that commitment. Tom Brady said it himself: to compete with me, you had be better be ready to surrender your life to this because I. Am. And you could argue he's had to suffer very serious personal consequences for it because his family balance got out of whack, but he's got six Super Bowls that can never be taken away. No, that's right. And seven. I think you said it right. Seven. Yeah, six. Seven. seven. I've lost track. Six with one so team, one with another. But th- that, that, I mean, um, I hear you. And there are some quarterbacks out there that have gotten away with that, like, right? I mean, Brett Favre, I don't think he was a go-in Tuesday guy. You know, I, I mean, I think there was, you know, yeah, some of that old generation or the super talented guys, maybe they got away with it a little bit to a degree. But I think even the super talented guys now know that, you know, with the amount of money they're making and just the new culture of the NFL and how much is on the quarterback's plate, yeah, they're they're all working Monday and Tuesday. Now, you know, how much of that day they're divvying up to go there, I don't know because we got some evidence here on a Monday. Uh-oh, I'm concerned. That's his I, house. T- I take it all That's back. That's his house. <laughs> it is, I know. That's I his house. Is. You're right. <laughs> I mean, Pete's calling it a golf outing. Pete, that's his house. He's in his backyard with a kid, and he's putting balls. That's a far cry from flushing five hours down the drain to go to a baseball game. And that looks like paparazzi taking the pictures. This isn't, hey, everybody, look at me not working. Come on, take that down, Pete. Pete's stretching to try to disagree with me. No, not Pete. Pete. But he's at his house. He's at his house, Pete. (laughs) <laughs> That's his house. All right. Uh, Pete was not aware that Mahomes had a golf course at his house, right? I mean, Pete, you got you got to get used to it, Pete. You got to these quarterbacks you know, are making hey, so much damn money. Listen, they got golf courses kids, in their house now. Kids, kids, you know why Patrick Mahomes has a golf course in his house? Because he works on Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> yes, <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. And you know, Mahomes right. is a guy that yeah, and I know he has a setup at home and everything there too. So he's Mahomes lives it, as we know. We've heard from too many people. We've talked to too many people. I know too many people there in Kansas City. It's obsession. It's all day long. If he is taking a break, it's stuff like that. Oh, I'm going to go out and hit a few balls with the kids, whatever, after I've been working for a while. I I imagine that's kind of how that day played out. Yeah, I mean, we're not saying be crazed and throw your life completely out of whack, but the message that came from the Netflix quarterback series was that Cousins refuses to work on Tuesdays so he can be with his family. And he goes to the bookstore by himself. 
He refuses to work on Tuesday so he can be with his family. And then he sits there with a stack of fan mail. I mean, like, I don't know if it was for for show, for the cameras. It just doesn't make any sense to defiantly say I refuse to work on Tuesdays during football season. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a a switch flip for me when I heard that because it's like you're you're either all in or you're not. During football season, when you're the quarterback of the team, the leader of the team, the guy who stirs the drink, the guy who sets the example, the guy who holds people accountable, it is part of the obligation, and it goes along with all those millions of dollars that you have made. Period. All right. Just a little. Just a little little flip switch there. Just a little bit. That's all it was. (laughs) Well, well, there's other switches that have already been flipped in the past when it comes to. The Twins won the series, wow. though. Right. So you know, the Twins did win that's the good. series. Oh, that's so good. He got to well, see a victory. Good. Maybe he will go to the game. On, maybe he can go to the game on Saturday night. <laughs> maybe he can tap out of the meeting. And go to the game. Go to the game. Yeah, it's the only playoff game he's going to be to be at this year. All hey, right. this game doesn't uh, stink tonight. I used to your uh, counsel counselor. You need to re re reassess Let's the see situation. What Al says about it. <laughs> okay. Let's see what Al says about it. Let's pivot to tonight's game. Bears at the Commanders. Uh, here's a guy who may be on a golf course soon because he'll have all the time in the world. Matt Eberflus, coach of the Bears, asked this question: you're on a fire Are you today? aware <laughs> of the heat that's on you? Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. You know, in this business, you know, you've been, I've been doing this 32 years, right? So I, I understand the business, but I understand that to do it right, you got to focus on your job and you got to focus right here, right now. So you can think about a lot of different things that's going to do nobody good. And uh, you focus on your job where your feet are right now. And that's 
my full, uh, sole focus is on Washington. Have you gotten assurances from higher-ups, ownerships, a presidential level, that they see where this team is going and that they buy into this? Yeah, I've just, I just I feel the support. I haven't you know, talked to anybody about any, any of those things. I feel the support, and uh, we're just focused on Washington. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Look. There's a thought out there that if they lose tonight, he may be gone tomorrow. Who knows? Who knows? Many buys an opportunity to make the change. I haven't even looked at the coaching staff yet to see who would be the most likely person to take over, who makes the most sense to take over in the event there was a firing and an interim hire. But you know it's getting bad when the questions start to come up at the press conference. Dan Patrick was on for a little while yesterday, and we were talking about whether or not anyone would ask Bill Belichick about possibly being on the hot seat. And with him, it's tiptoeing down the hallway to the Wizard of Oz. With Matt Eberflus, he hasn't won. So no one is going to think twice about asking him that question. And I understand his response that he stays fully focused. I don't know if he truly feels support right now. I don't know if Kevin Warren's coming in and saying, hey, you're my guy, don't worry, you're, you're my guy to the end of the season, and you're my guy beyond or whatever. And if he was, Kevin Warren would be saying so. He's the new president of the team. He's the guy who arrived after Eberflus, after Ryan Poles, and he's the guy who presumably will have the power to make the decision to clean house or not clean house during or after the season. This is the time for public votes of confidence, although we tend to know how public votes of confidence go. They tend to be the precursor to the public invitation to pack your stuff and leave yeah no i I, I mean listen i think it's on the radar people are wondering what's going to happen here you know i think it's a little early to start talking about eberflus firing i do you know i think there's more at play here than just eberflus with the the chicago bears and what's going on here you know one you know I, i don't sit there i never and i don't think any of us did assess the season and went Man, the Bears are going to be a real player this year, right? This isn't a letdown. It's not. Uh, this is a. Are we shocked they're zero and four? No, not not really. No, I mean I'm not, I don't think they've played a team that I can l- really like legitimately look at and go. I think they were definitely better than that football team, right? The Buccaneers. You know, there was question there week two because we didn't quite know what the Buccaneers were. And, and, of course, that game in itself was there to be had. And what was that game? That was the game there was people open everywhere. Justin Fields wouldn't throw it to them or whatever. So I, I don't think it's fair to just blame Eberflus here. Now, I understand the talk and, and everything like that. When you come off a week where you were up 28-7 to against a team that kind of looked like, hey, dysfunctional, right? And there you are, and then you have another big moment late in the game where the game is close, and now you have a controversial, should we kick the field goal and go up 31-28, or do we go for it, and then you don't get it, and then you lose the game? Yeah, that's what happens. And people start to go, I wonder how much longer he'll last if this continues and he makes decisions like that and all that. So I understand that. But I will say that I, I do think it's a little premature to go down the road, at least as far as like, oh, he, his butt should be on the hot seat here already. I, I, I don't think we're there yet. At least for me, I'm not there yet. And I think coming into the season, the bar was a little bit higher than, oh, we expect them to lose the first four games anyway. With Justin Fields, there was a thought that there was going to be a, a progression upward. Right. He proved last year he's the most dangerous running threat at sure. the back position. So yep. going to take that and harness it. And the Jalen Hurts 
transformation last year where he found a higher level and ends up being an MVP candidate and and just kind of carries the Eagles forward. See, but I think that's where it's a little overhyped, though. That's where because the fantasy world that that's where I I think they'll be better because look at all the fantasy points he had at the end of the year last year. And that's where I think it's a little bit of like it's not that it's no, it's not that. It's not that. It's not the fantasy points. It's we have a guy who is the most dangerous running threat at the quarterback position, and we're going to develop him as a passer. That's what Luke Getzey's going to do. And if Luke Getzey can take this guy next level, the way they took Jalen Hurts next level, next level last year. I know. See, but I the, think that hurt the Bears. That created an expectation. Yes. That Fields that's what I'm better. saying. I thought he was going to be better. That, I thought he'd be better than what we've seen. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I, that's what I'm saying. There was that expectation there. And then, like, but, but what people, like, you know, context matters, as we say a lot of the times. And go, yeah, but Jalen Hurts had an all-star team around him. And Jalen Hurts has a team where exactly. he can hand the ball off ten times in a row. When they go down the field, he doesn't have to do anything. And Justin Fields doesn't have that. So that's where I'm just saying I think the hype on the Bears was a little overblown that way. You know, I, I, I am with you. DJ Moore. Well, I know. I mean, I'm they're, with they're you in that it look, should be, listen, 0-4 might have been like, okay, I didn't think it would be 0-4. But I certainly went into the year, and I think you did too, where, yeah, I wasn't expecting 9-8. and I wasn't expecting that. You know, 7-10, and 6-11, 5-12. I thought that's about where they would be re- realistically. Unless I saw a field's jump that we went, oh, whoa, he did fix some of these issues. Right, and last week was the first week where we went into we came out of a game. We went, whoa! He actually looked good throwing the ball and made good decisions for the most part of the day. And maybe there's something there. So hopefully we can build on it. But that was one of the first. That was the best game of his career last week. And there were still some major issues and mistakes. And they blew a 28-7 lead that we would blame any other quarterback for losing that lead too. So you know that's where I think it just got to be a little fair with the whole situation there with Ibrahimovic. So at least in my opinion, Mike. Blown huge lead against bad team. Blown yep. out twice. Yep. Lost by 10 at Tampa Bay in a game that it kind of felt like early on they had a chance to win. Right, right. They have not been impressive this year. Here's the other thing. I looked at the coaching staff. You know, some of these head coaches will bring in former head coaches and put them in key roles. It's great to have someone like that to lean on. Maybe that's one of the problems for Eberflus. He doesn't have someone like that around. There is nobody. When you look at the coaching staff – there isn't a single name on there that jumps out as the clear and obvious replacement right. if there were to be a firing. Now, maybe they'll hire Jeff Saturday. Right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Richard Dent or, or uh, you know, Dan Singletary. Hampton can come <laughs> yeah. in and coach the right. team. Right. Some, some, someone who played for a great Bears team of the past. And, you know, it occurred to me, I mean, Kevin Warren employed Mike Zimmer. He wasn't in the same position of power and influence that he was uh, that he is in Chicago, that he was in Minnesota, but there's a familiarity there. If you want to bring somebody in and shake things up, I mean, Zimmer's available, and and we we saw last year they can they can make that interim hire anytime they want, any way they want. They can bring someone in from outside the organization if they want. So the whole world is a potential candidate to be the interim head coach of the Bears, but there's no one on staff that you look at. There were guys on staff in Indianapolis, John Fox, for yeah. example. There were obvious candidates to be the interim head coach that yeah got Gus Bradley over. right there's no one there's no one on this Bears staff that you could look at and say okay though you know this is what we'll do to stabilize things the rest of the year their buy is not until week 13 I tend to agree with you I think it is premature just let let him get through the season 
Let him get through the season. Yeah. And uh, and then after the season, make your decisions about what you're going to do. The one thing I will say that I will say where this is on him and it does need to be better, right? Because, again, I don't think the talent pool on the team quite justifies anything of great expectations yet, right? But, you know, hey, they're going in the right direction. They're collecting assets. And as we stand here right now, they got the number one and number two pick in the draft for next year because of that trade for, for Bryce Young. But the one thing, and I, I think I brought this up to you last week, Mike, that, that I do think Ibraflus, this is self-inflicted and this is where he could fix it, is, again, you've heard me say this, He's a def- he were hired because of your defensive prowess. You're a defensive coordinator. And, and last week, of course, he's back in the mix calling the plays on the defensive side of the ball. That, to me, is always something I go, listen, you could rectify your career here and, and quiet a lot of people when, hey, you're the defensive coach, and you can also go, hey, look at our defense. We're pretty good. Statistically, we're pretty good. And he took kind of a hands-off approach and let you know the, the committee do it and fi- hired a defensive coordinator, and that, that's where I just go, I, I don't understand that, like we've talked about. You know, uh, early on in the career, like – uh, the, you know, the, or Mike McDaniel or Kyle Shanahan, they didn't hire him and go, well, hey, you're a great offensive mind. Now hand the duties off to somebody else and let them do it. That's not as good as you. That, to me, is definitely a mistake that Ibraflus made, and, and hopefully he's going to rectify that and correct that as we go here. <clears throat> well, look, and the bigger issue is this. If you're going to hire a head coach in today's NFL – with all apologies to Tony Dungy and the other great defensive coordinators who became great head coaches, Bill Belichick as well, in today's NFL, it's incumbent to hire your offensive coach as your head coach because if things go well, what happens? You lose that offensive coordinator and you got to start over again. Look at what's going on in Tampa right now. They're all freaked out that Dave Canales is going to become a head coaching candidate. He's done great things with the offense, great things with Baker Mayfield, and he may not be there next year. So that's the other side of this coin, too. Nothing against Matt Eberflus, but I just think that the importance of the quarterback position and the value of having quarterback and offensive coach, coordinator, head coach joined at the hip, there's value in that as well. And that's probably what the Bears will do the next time. If next year is the next time, it'll be an offensive guy not a defensive guy, because teams tend to do the opposite when they fire a head coach and move on. One guy, Matt Eberflus, may not have his fate determined anytime soon. Chase Claypool needs to have his fate determined soon. They've kind of put him on ice, Chris. And Claypool could make a stink about this if he wants to. The 2006 collective bargaining agreement has a term in it specifically as a reaction to the Terrell Owens debacle of 2005, where ultimately the Eagles sent him home with pay. And Keyshawn Johnson, you were in Tampa in 2003 when he got sent home with pay. You're not allowed to send a guy home with pay anymore. You're not allowed to pay a guy and tell him stay out of the building. And I, I think that this Claypool thing needs to end quickly or Claypool needs to file a grievance because the Bears cannot put him on ice, cannot pay him to not play. They've either got to bring him back, trade him, or cut him. And I'd like to think that the Bears will do the right thing in the aftermath of tonight's game. Yeah, well, <clears throat> this is this is part of, you know, probably why the talk about Eberflus is out there is things like this with Chase Claypool. It makes it look right a little bit, you know, less buttoned up or dysfunctional with like, wait, this is a guy that we, we traded a, a pretty big asset for to get. He's supposed to be a contributor, and we know he's got talent and all that. But again, that was a management thing. Right. That was now 
Claypool's obviously not happy with the way things go or not getting the ball and, and everything there. But, yeah, something's got to be done there. I mean, one, it stinks for them. You know, he's supposed to be helping their team out. He's dangerous. We know that. We've seen moments of him going like, damn, he's a freak of nature. I saw him at Notre Dame. You know that. I was the one pumping him up when he was coming out in the draft. I mean, he's built like a Greek god. He flies. But the same thing at Notre Dame and the same thing at Pittsburgh a little bit and the same thing here with Chicago, and this is where I don't blame Eberflus, right, is that there was immaturity questions about him and how he handled himself. Did he do the right things in the locker room and saying things the right way there? And that's not only Eberflus didn't trade for that. That was you can blame that on Ryan Poles if you want to get like real, you know, uh, it, 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 you know, detailed in this whole thing here. But yeah, it's not a good look for their organization altogether. And when you take that with what happened with last week in the game, and then of course what happened with the defensive coordinator also last week while preparing for the game and all of that, yeah, none of it looks good right now in Chicago. Well. I think any time the Steelers call you up and say, we've got a deal for you, we've got a receiver that we may be trading, just hang up the phone because uh, the Steelers do a good job. Mike Tom does a great job of keeping stuff under wraps. Yeah. They know how to find receivers, but yeah. they know when receivers have become problems and it's time to move on. And I think Chase Claypool had such a great start to his career, he got ahead of himself. Maybe. He's thinking about how much money he's going to make. He's thinking about how how successful he'll be. At one point within the past 18 months or so, he declared himself to have the talent of one of the top three receivers in the NFL. And there was a point where you could plausibly make that argument, but you still can't lose sight of the work that you need to put in. There's that word again, work. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the time. You don't just show up. You don't cop an attitude like you're one of the highest paid players in the NFL before you are. The Steelers passed him off to the Bears, who gave up what became essentially the last pick in round right. one because the Dolphins didn't have a first-round pick. So it was pick 32 that the Steelers used to get Joey Porter Jr., and now it ends up being a disaster. But the bottom line is this. They're done with him. Organizationally, they're done with him. They know no one's going to trade for him. I guess they're thinking we'll pay him to the end of the season. He'll leave in free agency, and we'll pick up a draft pick in 2025 via the compensatory formula, I don't understand it. Because if you waive him now, he's not a vested veteran. You cut him now, he goes through waivers. Somebody may pick up that contract. It's $2.3 million. I don't know. Maybe somebody will. The way that this is all happening, yeah. I can't imagine anybody saying, well, we can't wait to get our hands on Chase Claypool waiver claim. So bottom line is this. You got to put the guy in the building, or you got to trade him, or you got to cut him. You can't send him home with pay. That's established. And the moment Chase Claypool wants to activate that process, the Bears will lose. The Bears are in the wrong with what they're doing, unless Chase Claypool is 100% in agreement with it. If he wants back in, if he wants to be around, if he wants to work out, if he wants to practice, if he wants to play, he's got a, an ironclad 100% case against the Bears. The Bears are in the wrong here. You can't send a guy home. With pay. All right, the game itself. You mentioned Justin Fields, best game of his career. Yeah. 335 passing yards, yeah. four touchdowns <clears throat> last week, career highs. He's taken 17 sacks. The commanders have 13 sacks, tied for seventh most in the league. Sam Howell, the commander's quarterback, has taken 24 sacks, the most in the NFL, but the Bears have only two, so that's good news for the commanders. Let's take a look at what you 
see happening here? I mean, we've seen some good from the commanders, far more good from the commanders and the Bears. Yeah. How do you think this one's going to play out? Well, you know, the the interesting thing with, with the Bears, and I think on that side of the ball, their offense, right? They did open it up last week. Now, you know, what you would, what, what, like, I don't know about is, like, did they open it up and it, that's all good? Or, you know, did they open it up because they were like, man, it's the Broncos and their defense stinks, right? I mean, you heard us in the viewing room on Sunday. I mean, there was moments where we were laughing because what it two was started, what, like 15 of 16 against the Broncos the week before? And then last week, Justin Fields at one point was 16 for 16. And not just 16 for 16, like like out of the 16 completions, like 12 of them, we were laughing in the viewing room going, there's nobody in the screen. Like, there's nobody within 10 yards of that receiver. So that's where it's like you're not sure where to take it. Is it, hey, it's a really struggling Broncos defense, that's for sure, that made it look maybe better than it actually is. But I will say, nonetheless, Fields throwing, decision-making. And then I do feel like a little bit like Zach Wilson that they kind of were like, hey, let's open it up. We got to just – we got to find out. We got to just start letting it go a little bit. And if he messes up and throws interceptions and so be it, then we know he's not the guy. But they got to stop protecting him. And they were aggressive. Some trick plays, some play, more play-action pass I thought I saw in the football game. And in the drop-back pass game, he made a lot of damn good decisions. But this is a tough unit he's playing against. You know, Washington's real. I mean, Washington held the Eagles to 10 points in the first half last week, and it was a last-second field goal that gave them the 10 points. You know, they, they gave the Eagles problems. That front four, as we've talked about, it's four first-rounders. You know, they got a lot of talent. They're well-coached, and they can kind of do it both ways here. Uh, as far as they can play kind of conservative and we'll just be sound and make you work and let our pass rush go, or Del Rio does have some creativity to get after the quarterback there. So this will be a real challenge tonight to kind of see where fields and the offense really are. Because Washington, I'm not sitting here going they're a top five defense, but their talent and how they're coached is certainly top ten worthy in the NFL with what they got throughout. And it'll be a, a good test to see what fields has tonight. We mentioned maturity earlier in the context of Chase Claypool. When you look at these two teams, both of them had disappointing losses on Sunday. The Bears up 21 points, blew it. The Commanders had a chance to take out the defending division and conference champions, and it didn't work out Yeah, in overtime. They had to play extra with a short week game looming. Remember, at one point they changed the overtime period from 15 minutes to 10 minutes just to further justify short week football. Let's let's put the maximum at 70 minutes, not 75, so we don't have another situation. Remember, it happened to the Buccaneers several years ago, and then they changed the rule. They played 75 minutes, almost 75 full minutes on a Sunday and had to play on a Thursday night, and they looked like crap. Both of these teams have to show maturity. they got to be able to put Sunday behind them. I wonder whether they can. And I wonder which one is better suited to not let one loss become two. Because here it is. Now, for some teams, we want to get right back on the horse right away. This is great. We want to play Thursday night. We want to get that bad taste out of our mouth. But, you know, I look at the Bears and I I, I wonder. Yeah, that's a kind of loss. Especially with all the dysfunction. (laughs) Right. To turn it around and be ready to go on a Thursday night. Yeah, no, that that's a fair question. That that kind of loss is the kind of loss that bleeds into Monday, right? When you lose, you drop twenty-eight to seven. 
You know, it's 28-21. He gets strip sack, fumbled. They return it. We got the ball on the 20-yard line. We get the, the first down on fourth and one. The game's over. We don't get it. They go down and kick a field goal. We lose. That, that, I think that's a, like a legitimate question. Yeah, how they rebound, how they handle that. They're a young football team, right? You know, Washington's certainly going to be heartbroken about what they did too, but they're, they're going to be like, wait, we were toe-to-toe and, man, we had a chance and, and could have beat the Eagles, the team that everybody looks at. So there is a difference there. You know, so I, I, it's, it's interesting, the psychology of that too. And then like we talked about with Washington, hey, they're exciting on offense. Their defense has the talent, like I said, to be a top 10-ish defense, but they have not put it together the whole season yet either. So, yeah, there's some things to watch out. And we know too, Justin Fields, he can pose some problems. If he starts hitting a few passes and then you have to worry about stopping the pass, that makes, oh, no, we got to drop into coverage and do that. And then the Justin Fields runner gets unlocked, and you go, whoa, crap. He's got a lot of space right now to run around, and that's where the game can get fun and magical tonight. Maybe Al Michaels will be like, hey, this is amazing. Florio is wrong. This is a great game. <laughs> well, and you know what? In a short week, when you look at the things Justin Fields said a couple of weeks ago and it created a big deal and he's feeling robotic and is it coaching, whatever it is. But this is a week where you just go with what you do well. Yeah. You don't have a whole lot of time to engage in high-level game planning. Just let's go do what we do well and let's just try to get a win. Let's try to throw whatever we have to throw at this thing to get a win so maybe Matty Bufloos won't be fired on Friday. So that's tonight's game. Six-point favorites are the Commanders, and uh, we'll do the picks well, hey, and, later and, today. Oh, well, yeah. And, picks pod. and let me just say one other thing, too, just while, while we're at it. I mean, just real quick, because we didn't hit on this. Washington's offense is fun. It's fun to watch. It is. I mean, Sam Howell, you might, you know, when we see, you get a little everything. It's crazy. He's aggressive. He throws the ball down the field. He's got a little bit of that Baker Mayfield spunk about him. You know, he creates plays off schedule. Now, he might throw two or three of the dumbest interceptions you've ever seen in your life, too. You go, well, this is a game now. I mean, we saw that against the Bills. He lives dangerously. But they got talent. And when you talk about Washington's offense, I put their offensive skill guys, they're up there with just about anybody. I'm not saying they're the best in football, but when you break down their four receivers, their tight ends, and their two running backs, it's real deal Holyfield there. And then Eric Bieniemy, he's he's you know, he's showing he is a damn good offensive mind here with what he's doing there too. So this is gonna be a tough task for a Bears defense that I know is a little banged up and injured and whatever else too. Uh, but they got some weaponry coming to town here that they're gonna or they're going to see some weaponry in Washington that they gotta worry about. Commanders won their first two games, got blown out by the Bills. We didn't quite know what to make of them after that, and then they had an opportunity to take down the Eagles, and they just missed. We'll see what they can do tonight against the Chicago Bears. Thursday Night Football. And, look, regardless of what I feel about the game, we got Bears-Panthers lurking. We got Broncos-Chiefs coming up in a couple of weeks. It's still Thursday night. It's football. It's one game. It's standalone. I'll take what I can get, and I'll enjoy it, and I'll watch it. But, yes, some games, clearly better than others okay Philadelphia Eagles the team that almost lost to Washington on Sunday there was an incident in that game when the Eagles were getting ready to run the quarterback push play and that's what I'm going to call it I hate tush push I hate brotherly shove it's just the quarterback push play that's what I'm going to call it if I use that term then 
you know what I'm referring to. Here is Coach Nick Sirianni, preceded by Senator Jason Kelsey, talking about a dynamic that has now seemed to emerge that involves the officials looking very closely at every aspect of the play to ensure that there isn't some other violation that they can flag because they can't penalize the Eagles for the push aspect of it. Have a listen to what both Kelsey and Sirianni had to say. So we got warned about this in the week. You know, defensive players have been lined up in the neutral zone to try and stop the play. And that we've seen that called on opposing defensive lines. But they did send a warning that Landon has been in the neutral zone. We have to make sure that we don't we don't leave any doubt on the field that we're legal during that play. Uh, you know, because what Jason said, there was an emphasis on it this week. Um, and, you know, I'm not here to argue whether I thought the call was right or wrong, you know, on that. Well, you know, I'm always going to think that that we're the we're right in the in it. Um, but again, league does a good job of giving us information. Um, we understand that the referees have a have a tough job to do. I'm not, I'm never going to criticize that uh, aspect of it. Um, I know they got a tough job. Are all the calls going to go the way we want them to go? No. Are they always going to be right? No. But neither is what what I do. So um, yeah, I'll just keep it at that. Look, I think this is the simple reality. It's just a matter of time before the rules change and that play goes away, as evidenced by the fact that the officials are looking for anything they can to penalize the Eagles when they do it. And if they're doing anything they shouldn't be doing on that play, the flag is going to come out, Chris. That's, that's to me, the harbinger that this rule is going away in the offseason. Now, look at, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in there's this. There's a lot of people offsides on this, right? I mean, the, the neutral zone, first off, is the football for the defensive side of the ball there. And, of course, Deron Payne is in the neutral zone. He's an inch away from Jason Kelsey's head here on the snap. So that should be flagged, let alone his hands are both in the neutral zone. And then you look at uh, Landon Dickerson at left guard next to Kelsey, right, for the offense. The ball is the neutral zone. He needs to be behind that back part of the football. The center is the only person that's allowed to be in that area. He is definitely. Question. Yes. Question. Is that hand that's near the football, is that Kelsey's left hand? Or Dickerson's left hand. Kelsey says it's his left hand, right? Now, I see Landon Dickerson's hand, too. And I and, and his helmet's definitely over, but it looks like his hand is still an inch over the ball, too. So, again, yeah, if they want to make this a little safer, this would certainly be something that you can do here, right? But I don't think this play is going anywhere. I don't. You know, I just think that they got to. Well, I think it's gone after the year. Because, well, Mike, this is, this is it's what I be say. It's easy to get 24 24 votes to get rid of it. I well, but Mike, but like, see, I, I watched the play uh, first off. Like, everybody got stopped on it this weekend. Everybody. You go through the league. I watched film. It was one of the things this weekend where everybody got stopped, except for the Eagles. And, of course, we right. know why. All the more reason for it to go away. Well, All the more reason for 24 other teams to say, uh, maybe. we had enough of this play. But so few of the times, Mike, this is because I kind of gave it a deeper look this week. 
so few of the times anybody's really being pushed from the back. Like, it's right. not really – so it's still a quarterback the sneak. They could just run a quarterback sneak. I know. Just that's what I'm trying sneak. to say. Exactly right. Like, the, the, the guys being behind the quarterback, I think, are adding to this. And there's so many of them where you go, that guy actually does nothing. He just kind of, like, makes sure somebody doesn't dive in and crush the quarterback one. Or, you know, every now and then we see him push the pie or whatever. But it's not like a violent thing. So you're right. The normal quarterback sneak would work, and not everybody can pull this play off anyways. We've talked about it. The Eagles have one of the best lines we've ever seen, ever. I mean, period. And they can just do it, and it's hard to stop them. But, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see where this whole thing goes, Mike. It is an interesting discussion. I remember this all comes from the fact that in 2006 or thereabouts, the rule against pushing a runner to assist him was abandoned. You can't pull. You can push now. And some 15, 16 years later, the Eagles realized we can strategically and affirmatively incorporate that into this play. We've seen other teams do it last year, this year. Not as, like, we'll see teams put a guy in motion who will stop right behind the quarterback at the snap yep. and push him forward. Right. The, the, the Bills tried to do that on that play where they fumbled at the goal line and the Vikings recovered and scored a touchdown in that crazy game last November yep. in Buffalo. So we see that happen from time to time, but it's a very simple fix to the rule book, and I expect it to be made after this season. It wasn't made this past off season for some reason, but I think there's enough talk. It's enough of a distraction. The Eagles are the only team that, that are using it this way. But you're right. What will happen next year? They'll just line up for a quarterback sneak, and it'll be as effective as the current play is. But we won't have anything to complain about and the Eagles can go run their sneak and get their yard and, and extend their drive or score their touchdown. All right, yep. uh, the Giants. The Giants have had quite a year so far. And yesterday, Evan Neal, and, and look, I, I understand that players, you know, you, you get upset when you get booed, and I, I get it. Players are human. We try to get people to understand that. They're dealing with a lot of stuff. Fans feel it's their birthright when they buy their ticket to say and do whatever they want at these games and treat the players however they want to treat them. And sometimes it it does go over the top. Yesterday, Evan Neal encouraged fans to boo louder as his way of pushing back against the reaction that they're getting. And then he later apologized. Here's what he said. They were booing us, so I said, boo louder. The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Yeah, that's not good. Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? Well, apparently you are. I honestly do not care what anybody has to say about Evan Neal because they're going to talk anyway. At the end of the day, I put a lot of good things on film. The people are going to go and find the bad reps, and that's why they're go that's what they're going to highlight. Excuse me. That's what they're going to put out there. I can't control that, so why should I care? I get the point, but why are you saying that out loud? The, the, you make it look like you do care. You make it look like you do care. You make it look like it does bother you when you say it out loud that way. And then there's his apology that he posted last night that he was wrong for lashing out at the fans who are just as passionate and frustrated as I am. I think he got the memo from John Mara that these are the paying customers. Because I think I vaguely remember something like that happening in the past where somebody complained about the fans. And I think it was the Giants or maybe it was another team. But basically ownership's like, hey, this is a business and we want these people to show up to the games. So if they boo, they boo. As long as they're in the seats, as long as they're buying the overpriced beer and the overpriced hot dogs and the overpriced popcorn and yeah. the overpriced programs, yeah. they can do whatever they want. Well, yeah, and and I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, you're right. 
And and the Mara, you know, the Mara family, the Tish family. <clears throat> excuse me. Jeez, you gave me the plague through through the microphone yeah. here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the no, the, they're very aware of the fan base and you know the New York Giant fan base and the fan base as a whole, right? We saw we saw John Mara this year talk about the Thursday night flex scheduling and how he doesn't think that's good for fans. So I think there's a real care there for sure. And then one, yes, it does nobody good for the players to really speak like that. It doesn't, you know. Hey, just come out and say you're frustrated and we got to be better. And I'd boo us too if we played like that. Now, I mean, we know how players are, right? Like they, they'll look for anything to motivate. And even if it's negativity from their own fan base, they're going to jump on that. Just don't say it out loud. Don't publicly say it. Yeah, it just it, it's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a backhanded shot at the fan base in general. And the other thing I would just say to Evan Neal cuz he's still new is like, "Hey, welcome to New York, okay? Welcome to New York City." I've seen them boo the Giants like two games after they won the Super Bowl. I mean, this is the way it is up here. It's cutthroat and it's up yours and in your face and F you and all those great things. And that's the way it is. And yeah, when those guys and people pay like, you know, $400 to sit in a mezzanine level ticket, they, they don't want to see Daniel Jones ducking in 0.3 seconds the whole freaking game. So they're allowed to boo too. And, and hopefully Evan Neal learns from all this. And, and he didn't have to go there with the whole, what are they doing? Who are they? What do they do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers. First of all, it's a difficult job that somebody has to do. It doesn't pay well. And somebody who has a job like that is not going to be able to afford a ticket to a Giants game or a Jets game That's or damn any right. NFL game. That's damn too right. too damn expensive. Right. So there's, there's a respectful way to say, I don't care. It's enough to <clears throat> just say, they want to boo, they can boo. I don't care. I know what my assignment is. I know what I'm doing. I understand they may not be happy. I'm not happy. If they want to boo, that's their prerogative. That's all you have to say. Then people get the impression, hey, this guy really does have thick skin. Not he's trying to act like he has thick skin, and in so doing, he's exposing the thinness of his skin, and he's only going to make it worse for himself. And I think the apology is a reflection and a recognition by Evan Neal We've still got six home games this year, and I'm going to hear it even louder now that I've run my mouth about the people who are showing up and outnumber me, not in a physical way, in a vocal way. He's going to be hearing it, and as Pete well, says yeah. at the game on Monday night, right. which, Pete, which Pete attended, they were yelling, Evan Neal sucks, despite probably not having watched him on any single snap of the game. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's a little probably of the lash out, you know, why he did it, too. Is he is becoming <clears throat> a little bit of like, you know, we see this top pick, top 10 pick, whatever, where, man, the grading companies and everybody else, he's not in the top 10 in his position. So he's a bust. He stinks, blah, blah, blah. And it's become a little bit of a piling on thing here. And I just go giant fans and a lot of you don't know what you're talking about as far as offensive line play is t- going. And he's on the, he's on the right track. He's not like the issue with that offensive line. Was he perfect the other night? No, I, I know that. But I didn't look at that game and go, man, it's Evan Neal. Man, it's Evan Neal. Man, it's Evan Neal. 
No, I saw a lot of other guys more than Evan Neal, that's for sure. It's just like he's the name. He's from Alabama. He was the first-round pick. He was a high draft pick. Exactly. Right. And but people somebody jump else. on that. I know. But add somebody else. I know. And we got to stop doing that, right? Because it, it just it, – it, it does ruin players. Giant fans, look at Evan Ingram. Look at what we did there. I know he dropped some passes, but we all piled on Evan Ingram. Guess who's leading the NFL in yards after the catch for tight ends in the NFL right now? Oh, Evan Ingram. Yeah, he's kind of awesome. So that's where I just like it doesn't help this early on in the year in the career. I, I just wish fans were in so cutthroat like they are right now. Well, but I know that's just the way it, it is. is. It goes it is. with the territory, yeah. and that's one of the realities of using those high first-round draft picks. If you get a player that doesn't pan out, the fans are going to be even more upset. They're going to be even more vocal, and it's going to make it even more of a challenge to properly have your players prepared to deal with that kind of adversity in a way that doesn't require a an apology that was thumbed out on the notes app and then posted to Twitter last night to try to clean up the mess that Evan Neal made by saying something that was objectively disrespectful to the fans and to those folks out there who are working in the very difficult jobs. I had one sort of working Kentucky fried chicken of what it to prepare food. It is hot. It is miserable, it is difficult, and someone has to do it. Yes, All right, we know. Please don't tell us the rest of what hey, you had to do at Kentucky Fried Chicken, okay? Please, let's go to break. That's good uh, on that note. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny, though? Well, we got to go to break, but I got a box while I was, while I was in COVID infirmary yeah. from Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I opened it up, and it had a Deion Sanders signed football in it. Damn! So my, 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 my former employer, 40 years later... Give me something more valuable than the three thirty-five an hour that I made while I toiled away with the disgusting chicken job for 18 months back in high school. All right, let's take a break. The Patriots brought back a familiar face yesterday. We'll break that down when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Ooh. 